Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. So Luke chapter 2. We're going to dive right in. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says this. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when old Q was governor of Syria. I don't know how to pronounce that word. So uh, verse 3, it says, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancee, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, as shepherds do. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And by the way, that is the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. That's what it is. It is good news that brings great joy to all people. That's every single person, including me and including you. And then it says this in verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now the story, this story in Luke chapter 2, this birth of Jesus is where we get the nativity scene that we see today. And we see them everywhere. And this week, just to prepare for this message, I did this deep dive study and research as much as I could about these nativity scenes. And as I studied, did you know that the very first nativity scene goes all the way back 796 years ago, all the way back to the year 1220? And that was when a man by the name of St. Francis of Assisi, he was a pastor, he preached this illustrated message on Christmas Eve and used a living nativity, meaning that there was real people and real animals. And historians, when they were capturing this, they saw that because of what he was seeing and what he was witnessing, that it moved him to the point where he was so emotional and so overcome that he couldn't even pronounce the word Jesus. And so after that moment, nativity scenes really started to become popular and spread all around the world. And now today, you see them everywhere. In fact, I just wanna see, just by show of hands, how many of you have seen one so far this Christmas season? Have you seen one at all? You have, okay. And so, like, <laughs> trick question. Um, 
And we see them. We see them all, all over the place. And, you know, we, we put them out. We put them in our homes. And there's all types of nativity scenes that are out there. There's like the very traditional that you see. It's just very traditional. That's what it just it looks like. It's kind of what most people go for. But something that was really cool is that this week, not knowing what I was going to be talking about, my eight-year-old son, Jordan, he came home with a drawing from school of one of those scenes. Such a good artist. He gets it from his fine mama. And, um, and so he, he, it was awesome. It was cool to see that, that even my son knows about that, and he's drawing that. You can find Lego nativity scenes. You can, you can, you can get those. There's dog nativity scenes. All the dog people are like, I love that one. That one's my favorite. Leave that up there the whole time. Um, I showed this last year, but there's a, there's a hipster nativity scene that you can get that it just shows like you can get the 100% organic beef and the Amazon packages that you got online and the selfies with baby Jesus and hipster. I found this one. I thought this one was awesome. This one got me good. This is a minimalist nativity scene. So trendy, so artistic. Just blocks. Okay, just... Real edgy. Somebody got very creative with this one. I thought this one was so funny and so creative. They just got the Coke cans with all the names and just made it. That was funny. <laughs> and then here's, here's the last one I wanted to show you. And, uh, you know, some of you are like what, like, what is so special about that one? Well, my question when I see that, is this a, nat- a nativity scene? Or is it two T-Rexes fighting over a watermelon? I don't know. Like, it's just... You see it? Isn't that great? And I know that there's some people here today that you're like the, the DIY people. You're the people that, like, I would never go buy that from a store like, but I can build that myself. I could save a lot of money. And so for you, if that's, if that's you, actually Google the steps of how to make one of these scenes. And, and here's basically it. Is step one, you just place Jesus in the center. Step two, you place Joseph and Mary right behind the crib looking down at Jesus. Step three, you place the shepherds on one side facing Jesus. Step four, you place the wise men on the other side facing Jesus. Step five, you place the animals on the side with the shepherds facing Jesus. Step six, you place the angels on the other side with the wise men facing Jesus. I think you get the point. Uh, Like, are you catching a pattern here? And what I found is that there are essentially two things that are absolutely critical, that are so necessary and important for you to actually capture one of these scenes and for it to be in order. And it's really just simply two things. One, you place Jesus at the center. And then two, you keep the focus on him. That's it. Is that you place Jesus at the center and then you keep the focus on him. And that's not only good advice for a nativity scene, That's pretty good advice for life, don't you think? And here's the truth. These nativity scenes that we see, it points to the truth that Christmas is an invitation to put Jesus at the center of your life. That is what the nativity scenes point to. It's an invitation to put Jesus 
at the very center of your life. So here's the key question tonight. Here's the big question. Here's what you and I have to ask ourselves tonight. What's at the center of your life? What right now is at the center of your life? If we looked at the nativity scene in our own lives, what would be at the center? Is Jesus at the center? That's a question that we should all be asking ourselves right now. Is Jesus at the center of my life? But maybe your life, Jesus just isn't anywhere even in the scene. And how many of you know that even when you look at a nativity scene without Jesus, doesn't that look awkward? Doesn't that look weird? But maybe for some people that are here, maybe Jesus, he's in the scene, he's just not in the center. See, he's pushed to the side. He's pushed to the margins. Maybe you've raised a hand, walked an aisle, prayed a prayer. Maybe you got baptized in water. You go to church every now and then. I mean, at least you go to the Christmas service. And Jesus is in the scene. But he's nowhere near the center. And so maybe there's something else that's at the center. And just for the sake of this illustration, I thought through of what some of these could represent. And so maybe Jesus isn't in the center, but maybe Joseph and Mary are at the center. If you looked at the center of your life, what you would see is that really relationships are at the center of your life. And so maybe that is your family. Maybe that's your marriage. Maybe that's your kids. And by the way, it's so easy to do that. I think especially if you're a parent in here, that once you start to have children, it's so easy to put your family, that's at the center. And honestly, it sounds noble. We even say things like family first. And it just sounds noble. And I love my family with all my heart. I love my wife. I love my two boys. I'm so thankful for them. I thank God every day for my family. But they're not designed to be at the center. Maybe it's other relationships like friendships and friendships, like you just live for your friendships and everything's about your friendships. Or maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or maybe it's a friend that you want to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And there's nothing wrong with friendships. There's nothing wrong with the relationships. They're just not designed to be at the center. Well, maybe that's not for you what's at the center. Maybe for you, let's put these guys back. And maybe for you, what's at the center is one of the shepherds. And what the shepherds represent, this is your work. This is your career. This is your job that is at the center of your life. And let me just be transparent. This is the one that's so easy for me to put at the center. And it's so easy to make everything about this that everything comes about the job and work and life is all about climbing the corporate ladder, building the business, making the sale, getting the promotion, earning the bonus, and it really consumes everything in our life, all our time, all our passion, all our energy, all our creativity. It, this gets our very best. It gets our best. And don't get me wrong, work and a career and jobs, all those things, they're very important but they're just not designed to be at the center. So maybe that's not what's at the center for you. 
Maybe for you, it's one of these guys, the wise men. So the wise men, it really represents fame, popularity. It represents status, education, maybe even success that's at the center. And that's who these wise men were. They were the best of the best. They were very well-known, very influential. In fact, they were very educated. Most people believe that they were some of the smartest people at that time, that most historians believe that they were astrologers that studied all the stars, and that's even how they got connected to Jesus. If you read through Matthew's gospel, and you see that, and these men, they were successful. I mean, my goodness, they gave gold as a gift to a baby. They were successful. They were successful people, and maybe you're here, and that's what's at the center of your life. That's what life has come all about. Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with fame and popularity and education and success, but it's not designed to be at the center. And maybe this is not at the center of your life. Let me, let me pick up this guy. And you're like, animals? Animals, there's no way that animals are the center of my life. Oh, I beg to differ. I've seen your Instagram page on some of y'all. <laughs> no, these animals, what this represents, it represents wealth and possessions and stuff that's at the center of your life. See, back in biblical times, animals, they represented wealth. So the more you had, the more money that you had the more well off that you were, depending on the animals. That's why, like if you study the book of Job, which is a very big book that is in the Old Testament, if you read the, very, the, the third verse, it actually sets up this whole story and it tells you a lot about Job just from one verse where he says, he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 team of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. And also, he had many servants. And then it kind of ties all that to the next sentence. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. And so when we read a verse like that, we're like, oh, no big deal. Let's go on to verse 4. But when then, when this was written, and people would say, 7,000 sheep? 3,000 camels, man, my boy Job was loaded. And they would be impressed because that meant he was so wealthy and he had so much possessions and so much money. And now today it's the cars that we drive and it's the houses that we live in or the neighborhoods or the zip code that we live in. Now it's the clothes that we wear. Now wait, let me, let me take that back. It's actually just the tag that is on the clothes that we wear. See, now it is also things like technology that we use and how high we can get our bank account or our 401k. And really, this is when the things that we own own us. Now, don't get me wrong. And you need to hear this. There's nothing wrong with money and wealth and possessions and stuff. But they're not designed to be at the center of our lives and Maybe it's not this, and this one maybe is actually something that you wouldn't think that may be at the center, but sometimes 
This can be at the center. You're like, what does an angel represent? See, the angel actually represents religion. That can be at the center. Now, here's what's so dangerous about this one, is that it can trick us into thinking that this is in the center. When really it's this. Because it's not about a relationship with God. It's about rules, regulations, these big list of do's and don'ts. It's when busy religious activity replaces a real relationship with God. And listen, religion, religion was never designed to be at the center of your life. Now, here's the last one. And the more I thought about it, the more that this one was the one that sometimes ends up here the most. And that's when I'm at the center. And so I don't know if you've ever experienced this, when you are actually at the center of your life. And see, maybe Jesus is still in the scene. He's still over there. But you're at the center. And really, at the end of the day, what this is about is about control. Who has control of your life? Because I want Jesus in the scene, but I want to be in control of everything that happens in my life. And the truth is, a lot of times this happens unintentionally. Like we don't mean to. It's so easy for this to happen. And the truth is, we all drift towards selfishness. It's like we all have this gravitational pull to ourselves, and if we're not careful, we'll be at the center of our life. But what I've learned is that you and I, we're not designed to be at the center of our lives. So here's the question. I'll ask it again. What's at the center of your life? And I think it's very important that on Christmas, that we do the hard work of taking some inventory and saying, what is at the center of my life? Is it Jesus? Is it something else? What's at the center of your life? And here's why it is so important for you and I to be able to know the answer to that question, because here's the, a fact, that you are only as strong as your center. You are only as strong as what's ever in the center. So whatever you put there, that's as strong as everything's going to be. You are only as strong as your center. So if your job is at the center, what happens when there's unexpected layoffs and you lose your job? What happens when everything is about the promotion, but you get passed up? That if your money is at the center. What happens when the economy crashes? When your family is at the center? What happens when you unexpectedly lose someone that's in your family? Or when somebody breaks up with you? See, I'm fully convinced with all my heart that the only thing that can be taken from me is my relationship with Jesus. The only thing that can't be taken from me is Jesus. I believe that with all my heart, that all these other things can be taken from me, and all those things are important, all those things I love, but there's only one thing that can't be taken from me. 
So why would I not put the only thing that can't be taken from me at the center of my life? And if we are only as strong as our center, nothing or nobody, church, is stronger than Jesus. And listen to what Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 7, where he says this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and he puts them into practice, if you do what I tell you to do, you're like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And Jesus is saying, I am that rock. Jesus is the rock, and right here, this is when Jesus is at the center of your life. And listen to what happens when, you, when that happens. Then the rain comes, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. So you're going to experience storms. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation, its center on the rock. You are only as strong as your center, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And by the way, if Jesus is the rock, get this, everything else is sand. Everything else is sand. This is when anything but Jesus is at the center of your life. And listen to what this person experiences, the same exact rain. The same exact streams rising, the same exact winds, and that's what beat against their house, and it fell with a great crash. See, I've learned that nobody, and I mean nobody, is exempt from the storms of life, no matter what's at the center. And you cannot choose if you experience storms, but you can choose how you experience storms. Because you can choose what's at the center of your life. I'll say it again. This is what Christmas is all about this year. Christmas is an invitation to put Jesus at the center of your life. That's what today is all about. And the real miracle of Christmas is that God loved us enough to come to us. He didn't sit back and wait for us to come to him. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the story of Jesus. See, religion is our attempt to get to God, but the gospel is God's attempt to get to us. And by the way, you wanna know why? It's just for the chance to have a relationship with you. It is just for the chance for you to say, you know what? I'm going to put him at the center of my life. It is all just for the chance. So this Christmas, why not put Jesus at the center of your life? We call it around here the best decision of your life. What we believe is that the, it's better than any other decision that you'll make in your entire life is making the decision to put Jesus at the center of your life. And you need to know this. We built our church around helping as many people as possible make this decision right here. In fact, in the first 67 weeks of our church, we've had 429 people make this decision. And here's my, yeah, we can clap for that. That's awesome. Listen, why not you? Why not you? Why not now? See, if you read the Bible, 
you'll see that Jesus has a way of just knocking on the door of our heart. But that's as far as he'll go because he's a gentleman and he'll never force his way in. But he'll sit there. And I think for many of you, you showed up at this 5.30 service. And I think not just tonight, but for a while, Jesus has been like, hey. My question is, why not now? Why not tonight? Why not make Jesus the center of your life? See, I made that decision on June 25th, 1999, on the back porch of a building that I went to college on. And on that day, over 20 years ago, I made the decision to make Jesus at the center of my life. And here's the truth. Like life hasn't been perfect since then. I'm not gonna paint some picture that says, hey, make Jesus the center of your life and you'll never have any more problems. You'll be exempt from all the storms and the pain of life. No, I tried to do my very best to articulate in Matthew chapter seven that they're coming no matter what you build your house on. And so when I made that decision, life hasn't been perfect. I've still experienced problems and heartbreak and disappointment and pain and bad days. I've experienced some storms of life, but listen, I've experienced them differently. My house is still standing. My strength is in my center. And I've experienced things like peace that passes all my understanding. It doesn't even make sense. It's peace that passes all my understanding. I've experienced joy, not happiness, but joy that I could have no matter the circumstance. I've experienced strength that is beyond me. I've experienced hope that is an anchor for my soul. And I've experienced a more and better life with more fulfillment and more purpose than I could possibly try to articulate to you right now. And I put Jesus at the center of my life. And here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. My life has never been the same, ever. And here's what I believe with all my heart and all my soul tonight, that if you make this decision, if you put Jesus at the center of your life, your life will never ever be the same. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And we do this every single week. And just right here, let's not miss this moment. Just ask God right now, God, this Christmas service, what are you speaking to me? What are you saying directly to me, God? Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, would you just do that? Would you open up your heart and just say, God, what are you saying to me? Maybe ask him this. What does my response need to be tonight? What does my response need to be? And maybe you're here and Jesus is not at the center of your life. You feel far from God. You need a fresh start. Maybe you're here and you've never made the decision to put Jesus at the center of your life. Or maybe you're here and you have made that decision before in the past, but now he's on the side. Now he's on the margin. He's in the scene, but he's not in the center anymore. And tonight, you can make the choice to say, 
Jesus, I put you back in the center of my life this Christmas. We wanna give you that opportunity. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way. Here's all I wanna do. I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer, because you know that's the decision that you need to make, that you need to put Jesus at the center of your life, that if you're here and that's the decision that you know that God is speaking to your soul right now, I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith and I'm gonna ask you on the count of three to boldly put your hand in the air. And I've asked everybody to close your eyes. And it's just a moment between you and God as a step of faith to say, that's the decision I'm choosing by putting my hand in the air to put you in the center of my life. And so if that's you, without hesitation, on the count of three, put your hand in the air. That's my decision tonight. One, two, three. Just put your hand in the air if that's you. I'm putting Jesus back at the center. I'm putting Jesus at the center. It's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome. Hands everywhere, that's so great. So proud of you, anybody else. I'm putting Jesus tonight at the center and this is my step of faith. You can put your hands down and pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. And I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. And tonight, I put you at the center of my life. All those other things, they're important, they're great. But tonight, I put you at the center of my life. Would you come live inside me? Will you do what I can't do to myself and will you change me and make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you, everything. I give you everything and I choose to follow you. And God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his birth. We thank you for his life. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that that tomb is empty. Thank you for grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for your love. And we thank you so much for Jesus. And it's through the awesome, powerful, mighty name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on church, can we clap our hands for all the people? There's a lot of hands that went up, a lot of decisions, a lot of people that just put Jesus at the center of their life. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 